Welcome back to Lessons of a Former Pastor's Wife. This podcast is where I share the stories and lessons of all God has taught me and is daily teaching me. Today's podcast is one that I am personally struggling with understanding, so I thought we could explore this topic together. If you have any insight to share in regard to the topic, I invite you to email me at formerpastorwife at outlook.com at any time. I also invite you to share with me your own stories of how God is working in your life. And if you need prayer for anything specific, please let me know. The lesson I'm sharing today is in regard to heart issues. I've been praying on this topic in my own life for many months, and it was interesting how when I finally decided to share the heart healing journey that I'm on, the pastor at my new church this Sunday used the verse Jeremiah 17, 9, and 10 in his sermon. This is the exact verses in the Bible that have been plaguing me for many months. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds observe. The reason this particular set of scriptures has been plaguing me for so many months is because I went through a devastating disappointment in the loss of my marriage earlier this year. And while I will not be sharing the details of the situation out of respect for my 32-year marriage and my children, I can say that it was the most heart-wrenching thing I've ever gone through. This scripture has spoken volumes to me over and over again as I am daily walking on my own journey to heart healing. Because of my own experience, I hope to share with you the three important reasons why we all need to daily guard our hearts from deceitful and evil things so it will not be beyond cure. First, the reason why I need to be guarding my own heart is because it's extremely valuable. Second, we learn in the Bible that it is the source of everything that I do in my life. It's the wellspring of life. And finally, I hope to convey to you the urgency and understanding that in this vile and corrupt world, your heart is constantly under attack, as is mine. Now, if you Google how many verses in the Bible talk about the heart, you get the answer 762 passages. Clearly, our heart is vitally important to God if it's mentioned so many times in the Bible. In school, we learn basic anatomy, and the pictures that are ever present in my memory are of the heart with its many arteries, ventricles, valves, and veins, pumping blood to all places in the body. A simple Google search reveals that the heart is the central muscle in our bodies that pumps blood with our heartbeats, and that blood then sends oxygen and nutrients to all parts of the body. The blood that is pumped by the heart also carries away waste products that are harmful to our bodies. In essence, the heart in your body, when it's functioning and healthy, 
gives life. Your heart is extremely valuable, not only for the life-giving blood it pumps through the body, but for the spiritual significance it holds in your very being. Just as the heart is the wellspring of life in our bodies, it is the very center of our spiritual being. And yes, we all have a spirit being, whether you want to accept that or not. When you experience a devastating loss, you feel it in your chest. Not your arms, not your head. You feel that tragedy directly in your chest. And it can and often does take your breath away. You may experience other pains in your body when you go through a loss. But for me, it originates right in my chest and reverberates like a shock wave out through every other area of my body. When the heart stops, we die. There are machines that can keep the body alive by mechanically pumping the heart. But in general, the death of the heart means the death of the entire body. Is it so hard to believe this very thing happens to our spirit when we allow our hearts to become corrupted? The corruption that the heart is supposed to filter out with its constant pumping stays in place and slowly kills us, body and spirit. I'm reminded of Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are the life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. The wise King Solomon wrote those verses in Proverbs, which we can and should daily live by. What I find significant in everything this wise king wrote and the lessons we can learn from his words is that he did not follow his own teachings in the very end. Before his death, Solomon married many foreign wives and he allowed their idolatry to turn his heart away from God. And we read in 1 Kings 11 that in his old age, he began worshiping false gods. He ended his reign condemned by God. This is the king who was granted the opportunity to build the temple in Jerusalem, which was his father David's deepest desire. But because David had so much blood on his hands from all the men he had killed, God did not allow him to build the temple. That honored task went to his wise and rich son, Solomon. If Solomon would have guarded his own heart above all else, as he instructed his son to do in Proverbs 4.23, he would not have ended his life condemned. 
Solomon's sin also led to the tearing apart of Israel and the destruction of his own son's inheritance. This issue of guarding our hearts really starts with watching what we are allowing to influence us. Solomon allowed the exotic and erotic love of his many wives to influence and taint his heart to such a degree that he turned from God, who granted him wisdom and riches to begin with. The Bible points out in 1 Kings chapter 3 that God came to Solomon in a dream and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon asked God to grant him a discerning heart to be able to govern the people and to distinguish between right and wrong. And it was granted to him along with many riches. But he turned from the very wisdom God granted him in the end and chose the exotic allure of foreign gods over the one who gave him all that he had. Oh, how things could have turned out differently if Solomon would have stayed faithful to the one true God. But he allowed his heart to be corrupted. The very thing he warned his son not to let happen. I'm reminded of all the parents out there who, you know, the, the common visual aid with a father sitting there smoking a cigarette and telling his son never to pick up the cigarettes to start with. We can't preach one thing while we're doing it ourselves. It makes us look like hypocrites. And unfortunately, this downfall of Solomon's is very similar to what we face daily. Our world is filled with evil influences and temptations. When we stop guarding our hearts, it becomes very easy to justify to ourselves acting upon our temptations, which can be anything, but often include feelings of entitlement to judge, cheat, lie, hate, and possibly even kill, especially in times when our hearts have been severely injured by disappointment. It's in these times when we have been wounded that is, it is especially important to guard our hearts against such enticing entitlements like hatred, judgment, and so much more. Once you allow those evil plagues into your heart, you're condemning yourself to corruption that opens a door for more and more corruption. The biggest problem I have been pondering is that of understanding how can I tell if I'm allowing corruption into my own heart. I believe that God has provided me with a simple answer to finding out exactly where I am in my own heart healing journey. And that's through the verses, Matthew 12, verses 34 through 37. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment 
for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of has been the resounding message I have dealt with daily. And I have diligently been trying to train myself to recognize what is coming out of my mouth, especially in unguarded, pained, filled moments. We've all met someone whose every word highlights exactly what they are dealing with in their personal life. I know I have met people who are only negative in everything they have to say. Every word they speak, even in simple situations, is somehow negative. And I know I have often walked away feeling as though I've been slimed and need a good bath to get off all that negativity. It's very easy for us to recognize what's taking place in someone else's heart by judging what's coming out of their mouth. But it's so much harder for us to recognize our own heart issues that often become a, rushy, a rushing river of nastiness that makes other people feel as though they need to go home and scrub off what we have spewed on them. I am working to train myself to recognize what is spewing out of my heart and my mouth because I don't want to live my life filled with anger and resentment. Those are vile traps that only hurt me in the end. Yes, I have suffered a severe disappointment that I never expected, but so have many of you. And I would not even hesitate to say that so have most of you. This life is filled with disappointment and evil. Only a fool takes the poison of those disappointments and evil things into themselves as if they are some sort of healing salve. Poison doesn't heal. Poison only corrupts further. And entitlement is the biggest poison there is. I have spoken often on this topic because it is one that I'm personally trying to conquer. But entitlement to hate is one many people struggle with. Some situations in life might bring you to the belief that you are in the right to hate. But I'm telling you that that is a lie from Satan. You are never entitled to hate because hate is a poison that kills your soul. You may not kill a person with your hatred, but you will destroy your own being. And the hate that you're harboring in your heart will eventually consume you to such a degree that it spills out of your mouth and into your daily actions, becoming apparent to everyone you meet. A while back, I made a commitment to myself that I would live every single hour by Paul's words to the Church of Philippi in Philippians 4 verses 4 through 9. And I'm sorry to say that I foolishly keep forgetting to implement my commitment. I have found that I am only truly living in peace when I follow the advice the Apostle Paul is giving in these verses. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. 
the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is literally giving us the guidebook to a healthy heart in this scripture. Every time my brain starts swirling with fear and entitled anger, I have to remind myself these things. One, what is true in my life right now? Two, what are the things in my life at this very moment that are noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable? And three, what are the things in my life today that are excellent and worth my praise? I try to go over this list at my first waking moment each morning. And no matter how many times my dog nudges me to get up, I don't let myself out of bed until I have identified the truths in my life. And the truth is that I am completely and utterly blessed by God. I have a great job and family and friends who love me and care about my well-being. My burdened heart could lie to me and keep me focused on all the things I don't have. But by forcing myself to stay positive in my truths and by thinking about the noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable things in my life, I can, without hesitation, be filled with praise, which brings a peace that passes all understanding. It is this peace that is the true salve of healing. No one is perfect. And I am by no means saying I conquer my deceptive heart every moment of every day. Going on a heart healing journey is a humbling and extremely personal thing. I may be able to get a feel for what's going on in someone else's heart by things that they say and do, but it isn't my job to judge them or their heart. It's my job to judge my own heart and my own words and my own actions. And in my heart healing journey, I recognize that my heart is extremely valuable. And it's my responsibility alone to guard it with wisdom and not emotion. My heart is the wellspring of my entire life. If I don't take the time to heal what has been broken, my heart will be corrupted. And that will influence and spill out of every avenue of my life. I want to be known as a peace-filled, loving, and kind person. It's my desire to be a life-giver 
to every person I meet. And I can't be that if what is pouring out of me is poison that overflows from the corruption that I've harbored in my own heart. I am daily trying to make myself conscious that this world is vile and corrupt and my heart is constantly under attack by all I choose to think about and allow in my life. I hope my story has influenced you to go on your own heart healing journey. It is a trip only you can take for yourself. I pray you stay sober of mind and filled with the love and grace that comes from an intimate and life-giving relationship with our Father through His loving Son, Jesus Christ. May God bless you this week and please reach out to me by email if you need prayer or someone to just hear your story.